Hello, and welcome to the First Prez OC podcast. Uh, my name is Gabe Perez, the youth pastor here at First Prez Oregon City, and hope you all are having a lovely day, evening, afternoon, weekend, morning, whatever time you're listening to this. Hope you're doing well. Um, hope you are enjoying the day that the Lord has made. Um, and this week, we are in Origin Week 7, looking at the story of the demon-possessed man um, and his interaction with Jesus. Looking into a lot of different aspects, uh, specifically Jesus' authority, um, specifically spiritual warfare, and sharing just a little bit of insights and stories about what that looks like in today's world and what spiritual warfare means for us as Christians and how that affects us. So, big, long topic today, a little bit of a longer lesson but uh, all good stuff. We even had a little bit of dialogue uh, in the middle, some students asking questions. So it was a good time. Um, so hope you guys can enjoy and just really uh, learn a little bit about um, Jesus along the way. Father God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for the lovely uh, snow outside and the fun weather. Uh, while it might be cold and slick outside, uh, we get to be inside warm. Uh, cozy and able to just gather as your family. I pray that Amanda would be safe on the roads as she's going to get pizza. And I pray that as we're gathered here, we would just focus our hearts and our minds on you and praise you with all that we have. In your mind, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
that you've done for me.
Father God, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you so much for, it's a blessing of being here, um, singing out uh, old songs, but good songs. Uh, Lord, that just remind us of how good you are, how faithful you are, um, how amazing your grace is, and how faithful uh, you are through all the things that we face in this life. Uh, through the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you are still God, and you are still good in it all, and you still love us and care for us every step of the way. I just ask that you would clear our hearts and clear our minds. Let us just focus on what you have for us tonight. And Lord, let us just be um, fully focused on what you have for us. In your mind, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so we, we did talk about Valentine's Day. We talked about relationships. We talked about marriage. And we talked about dating. We talked about um, all those things. Kind of been one big thing as our special Valentine's Day lesson. Kind of the value of all those things. Now, before that, though, because we're getting back into our origin series, right? So now that we're back into our origin series, talking about the life of Jesus, the, the Gospel of Mark, the previous time we talked about this, it was all about how planting seeds, remember? How God, the parable of the sower of the seeds, and falling on good soil and bad soil. And then after that, Jesus explained that to everybody. Then he talked about the faith of a mustard seed, and then he fed 5,000 people. Or no, I don't know if he fed 5,000 people yet. Um, but dang, sorry. It is wild outside, dude. Yeah, it is like blowing, blowing. Yeah, that's New Mexico. Um, every now and then you do, actually. Anyways, yeah. right, focus. Sorry, that was my bad. Focus. Um, all right, listen. So then we talked about after that, they got in the boat, and then Jesus calms the storm, and it freaks the little disciples out. They're like, oh my gosh, who the heck is this guy? After he just healed a bunch of people, made them. Yeah, still, still did not understand who the heck Jesus was. They just don't understand who the heck they're actually traveling with, but they're like devoted their life to him. So that's kind of where we're at right there, right? Um, and so that leads us into, that was the end of chapter 4, and we're actually going into Mark chapter 5 starting today. So if you have a Bible or if you want to grab a Bible, we are starting in uh, Mark 5 uh, verse 1. This is what we're starting off, the very beginning of it. Now, um, for that, I could actually get to the start of my lesson here. Um so that's what we're jumping into. All right, so what we're going to jump straight into, if you can't read that, I'm sorry. I'm just reading it aloud. So it says they went across the lake. So it was after they calmed the storm, they finished going to the other side of the lake um, to the region of uh, Gerasenes. I believe that's the best way to pronounce it. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, that's a, that's a demon, um, came out of the tombs um, to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain, for he had been chained head and hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. He was no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stone. So, interesting start to their journey on the other side of the lake, right? So obviously Jesus, this previous day, doing a lot of talking about parables, doing a lot of miracles. And they get to the other side of this lake. And you can tell it's kind of the evening time. You can imagine the setting. It's a little bit dark. They're arriving on this other uh, shore on the other side of the lake. And all of a sudden, while they're getting out, they're tying up their boats. Some random dude comes out of nowhere from the direction of the tombs. You look at the region they're talking about. The tombs are about a mile away from where they're at. So this guy goes and seeks out. He knows exactly where Jesus is and that he's arrived. And he throws himself at his feet. And obviously, wow, just Weird and wild stuff that we can see right here. 
Um, now, let me ask you guys. Has anybody ever experienced, like, an awkward or an uncomfortable moment with some, uh, let's say, homeless or houseless person or someone that you just, like, some stranger person acting really kind of weird and made you uncomfortable? Anybody has ever in your whole life ever experienced that? You've never experienced that before. So we've all had experiences, though, where you've been around somebody where they're acting kind of funny. They could be someone that you know, someone you don't know, but they're acting kind of weird and you just don't know what's going to happen. It kind of makes you uncomfortable. I'm sure this is pretty much how the disciples and everybody else felt whenever they first got here. They were like, oh my gosh, what the heck is this guy going to do? Just some random guy starts who is screaming and yelling and has cuts all over himself, comes out of nowhere and runs at them. And you're just like, okay. But the thing is, in our world today, we have these interactions that, with people that might make us uncomfortable, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're demon-possessed. Um, and you might, at times, when we read these passages, when we talk about people that are possessed or that have these problems, we sometimes make the wrong assumption that, oh, maybe this person in this passage of Scripture is just mentally ill, or maybe they're just emotionally distraught, or they've gone through a lot of trauma, and they're just really kind of a messed up thing. Um, because there are people in our world today that have gone through those things, that might have just mental issues or might have some kind of societal things that have happened to them. And their, their minds and their hearts are just not in a great place. And so they're kind of erratic. They're out there and they're kind of hard to be around because you just never know what's going to happen and it can be uncomfortable, right? For a lot of different reasons. But it's wrong to make that assumption about this man in this passage as well. Because if we look at the description of what this man is doing and how he was living his life, it's vastly different than just some homeless person living in a cemetery that's kind of crazy out there. Because it talks about him physically being able to break chains and break iron restraints on his hands and his feet. It was a supernatural kind of strength that shows something besides just some kind of mental issue. And so it's not just something that, oh man, this guy was just crazy. Like he actually had, a, he was possessed. He was spiritually attacked and actually was possessed by a demon. So, how does Jesus handle some wild, crazy, possessed guy at this place? Uh, in Mark 5-6, through six, or six, uh, we're going to continue on. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demon begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank of the lake into the lake and were drowned so talking about a wild situation right get off the boat jesus calms the storm you get on there crazy guys yelling all of a sudden this guy's saying we are legion for we are many like and jesus is trying to cast those demons out of this guy and it's not just one but it's a lot it's many and there's a herd of two thousand pigs there and imagine how many demons it takes to possess 2,000 pigs. I don't even want to know about that. Wild story. Then he casts them out into some pigs, and then the demons go and kill all the very pigs that they're possessing. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting. 
there's a few things that really stick out to this out of all this kind of wild situation. For one, did you guys notice that the, G, that the demons recognized Jesus immediately? They had a, a, a recognition of exactly who he was. Not just that, oh, these random guys arrived and I'm going to start tormenting them and causing them trouble. But the demons recognized Jesus' identity as God in the flesh. They gave him recognition. And not only that, the demons begged Jesus throughout all of their interactions with him. It says they begged him not to be tortured. They begged him to be not cast out of the area. And they begged him to be cast out into the pit. So why is that? Why were these demons begging Jesus? Why did they have this, this awestruck recognition of who he was? Well, for starters, we can clearly see that point number one, Jesus' authority is universal. Jesus' authority is universal. Thank you. So we often talk about, you know, God is God and we're not, and God knows better, and, you know, he's the one who made us, and, you know, we always think about God in that situation, right? Like, oh, I want to obey God. God made me. Like, he knows better. Like, I'm a sinner. He's perfect. But we often don't think about how far-reaching God's authority actually is. We often think, well, he's God, and I obey him. Like, I love him. I'm going to put my faith in him, obviously. But Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus' authority isn't just limited to one person in one place at one time. It wasn't just to his disciples. It wasn't just the commands that he gave. But it, all authority in all the heavens and all the earth. Everywhere, Jesus has authority. He is the ultimate authority over all. And not only that, and not only is God's power evident to us, but even in the spiritual realm, his authority is recognized. Even to Satan and his demons, the authority of God cannot be overpowered or overrided or ignored. James 2.19 says, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. The demons themselves, the enemies of God in the spiritual realms, recognize and acknowledge God's authority. And in this moment, we're seeing of the reality of uh, just another example of somebody who was possessed by a demon. This, we've talked about this previously. There's very small examples of this, but this is a whole story dedicated to this guy who's possessed by these demons. And we see clearly here that all, de all Jesus did was arrive. And this man, possessed by demons, fall at his feet and recognizes his divinity and divine authority over him. But the demons begged not to be tortured by Jesus. So, what the heck? Why, why are demons begging not to be tortured by Jesus? I mean, it's just kind of an odd thing for someone to ask Jesus. I mean, Jesus hasn't tortured anybody. Jesus isn't this, you know, authoritative person who's all of a sudden just like cracking the whip on everybody who disobeys. So why are these demons all of a sudden begging Jesus not to be tortured? But we have to look back at the fact that Jesus is not just our Savior and the one who shows us love and gives us relationship with God. The Bible also talks about how Jesus, because he has an authority over all of heaven and all of earth. No, no, no. Dude, wait. Because he has this authority over all of heaven and all of earth, he is also the righteous judge of everybody, including the angels and the demons. Meaning, 
that we talked about in Revelation. At the end of time, when everybody has to come face to face with Jesus, it's judgment day. And those that are found in relationship with Jesus are saved. They are judged righteous. They are, they are cleared. Their, their sins have been washed away. But those who don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with him, they are punished for the sins they have committed because Jesus makes right the wrong. He enacts justice as the righteous judge. And these demons are in the wrong, and they recognize that. They know they're in, they are enemies of God. They are in anonymity with him. And so they have a fear and a recognition of the fact that Jesus is the righteous judge. And they beg not to be tortured because Jesus has authority over them and has the authority to punish them. And it's interesting because Jesus actually exercises his authority over them by allowing them to be able to go into pigs. He says that he gave them permission to do what they were asking for. They didn't just do it. Jesus allowed them to do what they were asking for because they couldn't do it without first receiving his permission. He was allowing them to do this thing. Now this brings up the question of demon possession. All right, So it's going to be kind of an interesting little lesson tonight. Um, and the, also the idea of spiritual warfare. Uh, really kind of what is demon possession and spiritual warfare and what does it mean for us today? Because we read about this stuff in the Bible and Old Testament stuff and in Jesus' time. But we often put that stuff in his time. But it's important to be aware that demon possession does happen. Even today, in today's world, it's not something that doesn't exist. But it's not always as obvious as you might think it is. But it is still around today, and it's maybe not be as prevalent in our society, in our country, but it does happen even here in the States. But I have a lot of stories of a lot of people that I know that have been in different parts of the world have seen demon possession and interacted with that. Um, we in the Western world have really tried to ignore the spiritual side of things in life, oftentimes because we've tried to get away from God and get away from the commands of God. We kind of, as a as Western world, as the Western society, we try to tamp down the spiritual and we kind of build up and elevate the material, the world we can see, the world we can explain. And we live and act and believe that what we see and what we can explain is all there is. And so instead of being open to the spiritual side and being aware of these things happening, we become spiritually dead. So there is no spiritual possession by any demon. There's also no spiritual awakening by the Holy Spirit. So we tend to not see it as much in our society because we, instead of going down the route of focusing on the spiritual, we try to clamp it down so much that we almost ignore it so we become not spiritual at all. We almost ignore the reality that there is a spiritual world around us. But I will say, in, in recent years, I would say probably in about... 10, 15 years, a man and I can probably attest to this. Um, there is a growing desire for spirituality now because there's been, for generations, we try to get away from the hyper-Christianity that a lot of our parents and grandparents were brought up in. That it was, Everything was like, hey, you better be a good person. Oh, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And there's a lot of legalism that was a lot of people were brought up with, especially in America, that a lot of people decided they didn't want to deal with that like hyper-dogmatic religious belief. But now, generations later, they're like, hey, 
I don't necessarily want what my grandparents were telling me, but I kind of want something. People still recognize and have a need for some kind of spirituality, but they just don't necessarily want an organized religion to tell them how to do that. They view Christianity and any kind of religion as something that's formal to be a little bit too, you know, by the book for a lot of people. And it's important to recognize um, that demons can and do have the ability to possess people and things here on earth. But it usually happens whenever we open ourselves up to the spiritual realm. When we're intentionally trying to open ourselves up to something. So in reference to like the society wanting some kind of spirituality, but they don't necessarily want God. They want some kind of spiritual things, but they don't necessarily want God to tell them how to live. And so a lot of people will they'll take things out of like different religions that they like. And so they say, hey, well, Christianity tells me to, you know, love everybody because the Bible says everybody's God's children, which is a misreading of scripture. And then they'll say, well, you know, Eastern, the Eastern religions like to meditate and focus on peace and tranquility. I'll take a little bit of that. And then, you know, Mormonism says, hey, just do good to others because that, if you do good, that others will do good to you. And they really focus on that. So I'm going to try and be a good person. And I'm trying to empty myself so I can have peace, but I'm also going to love people. You see, they, they take a little bit of everything and they try and make their own little thing that is, fits into the box that they want. But when you kind of have a, a haphazard grasping of spirituality, and then you say, well, I'm, I just want to find spirituality. I want to open myself up to the right energy. I want to find the right vibe. I want, I want to find the right chakra or whatever you want to put it is. There's a lot of spirituality that people seek after. And when you put yourself in that position to be open to anything, you're saying, I'm, I'm searching and I'm emptying myself to be able to have energy and find wisdom and have enlightenment, as, as a lot of Buddhists and Hinduists say. When we open ourselves up to anything, something is going to find us. And sometimes that can be the Holy Spirit working and you respond to his call whenever he's reaching out to you. And other times that can be the enemy, Satan and his demons that also come and have an influence on you. Because the more you open yourself up to just anything, something is going to fill you. And as spiritual creatures, as, as people made in God's image with a God-shaped hole inside of us, when we try and fill that hole with some kind of spiritual thing that isn't God, it's going to be filled by some other spirit, some other spiritual thing is going to come and take advantage of your willingness to be open to something. Now, you might think, all right, Gabe, this all sounds a little bit crazy. Sounds like you're smoking crack, and I'm out. Um, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I want you to know, and I understand how it might sound kind of out there and kind of weird, because especially in today's world, we don't often like to recognize or even talk about demon possession or spiritual warfare being a reality. But I want you guys to understand that this isn't just something that's a story in an old book that we read today. And this isn't just something that is for a horror movie that you're like, oh, that's never going to happen to me. And it isn't just something that is, you know, for people that are just Satanists that are just calling out on the, on the devil. Because it's, it's not as obvious as all those things. It's not just those things that you put your box into. We have to recognize that it is a reality that does happen to people even today, even if they're not necessarily 
asking for a demon to enter into their life, when you're opening yourself up to spirituality, like focusing and praying on crystals or having sacred beads or um, having a sacred rock that brings you a right aura, those are all spiritual practices that end up leading you down spirituality and not to the Holy Spirit. So it's not a myth. And it's not just mistaken identity of mental illness that's being diagnosed. It's real and it does happen today. Um, so now, give you guys a little bit of context here. Um, one of my old professors at Western Seminary, um, his name is I might have already talked to you guys about it before, but he's like super smart guy. He got his degree in mathematics and he was teaching at a college and then he, he's a believer. Um, and he was like, you know what? I just want to study Hebrew. And then he ended up getting his PhD in like biblical studies and like understands like Hebrew and Greek fluently and teaches at Western Seminary. And he was one of my professors when I was there. Um, and he also taught on spiritual warfare and this whole thing. And so it was amazing. So he's a pretty intelligent guy, right? He's not just some guy who's some, you know, whacked out old dude who just is really into the Bible and got way out there, right? He's an intelligent man who is analytically thinking and is very pragmatic about how he lives his life. And when you talk with him, he's a pretty normal guy. But he talked about, whenever he was on mission, especially in Haiti um, and in Central America, that that world, when you're in there, like, people are just open to spiritual things. They're not, they don't pretend like it's not a reality. That, like, that is very much their lie. And he witnessed many times people being possessed by demons in ways that were supernatural, that they were doing wild and crazy things. And it wasn't just that guy lost his mind. Or, hey, that person's acting weird. It was a, a, a physical manifestation in someone's body of a, a demonic presence. And it freaked him out. But he's a very pragmatic guy. So why would some pragmatic old dude who has plenty of degrees and gone through lots of schooling, both in and out of Bible college, make up a story about seeing many, sto many examples of people being possessed by demons? So it's not just something that is like mythical way back in the day. It is a very real thing that happens today. And I'm not saying all this to scare you guys, but I don't want you guys to think that it's not real and that it's something that we don't have to worry about or even be acknowledging of. Because it is an example of a spiritual being, a demon, coming in and affecting the material world. But it's also very interesting that the man here was affected and possessed by demons that were torturing him as well. If you look at that example, a spiritual being affecting the material. These demons made him scream and wail night and day. And not only that, they made him cut himself with rocks. They were making himself harm himself. And they also forced him to live in isolation. And when, guess what the demons did when they went into the pigs? They killed him. So there is no benefit to trying to seek after the enemies of God. And we may be physical beings here on earth that we can see, touch, and interact with, but the spiritual world is real, and we may not be able to see it, but it does affect us in various ways. And it's also important to remember that God also affects us in spiritual ways. We are material beings, but the Holy Spirit changes and interacts with us in a beneficial way. Just like a demon might interact with somebody and affect them in a negative way in their life, God does the opposite. The Holy Spirit is a part of us when we put our faith in Him and 
He is the one who benefits us, who protects us. And it's important to know that he has authority over all things, including demons, and that Jesus protects what's his. Bam. There you go. Jesus protects what's his. All right. I'll let you guys write that down if you don't already have it. Um, so it's important to remember. Yes, spiritual warfare is a thing. We have to remember that Jesus protects what's his, and he also has authority over things. And in Ephesians 3, it reminds us that we are marked with the promised Holy Spirit. When you put our faith in Jesus, we are marked with the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? All right? As a Christian, it's my understanding that as a Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon because God has already made his home in us as his children. As believers, we become a temple for God the Holy Spirit inside of us. And guess what? When I talked about previously, you know, you can't sub over, you know, can't um, take over someone's house or rob someone's house without first subduing the person who's there, right? And if God's made his home in us, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, ain't no way some demon's going to just come in and kick God out, right? <laughs> There's no way a demon's going to overpower the Holy Spirit, God himself, inside of us. It says in John 10, 28-30, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So yes, the devil, demons, hell, they're all real. We can't pretend they're not. Because if we believe in God and heaven and angels, we have to acknowledge and remember that the other parts of that are real as well. What's up, Chloe? I have a question about it, Dave. Yeah, no, go for it. Um, so you're saying how like the being possessed by the demons and mm -hmm. all that is in spiritual warfare and all that is like mm -hmm. real thing. Mm -hmm. Does like being haunted by demons or spirits or ghosts, does any of that mm -hmm. have to tie in? Or so and I'll clarify this. Actually, I appreciate you asking the question. So, when people talk about ghosts, a ghost would technically be a wayward spirit, right? It would be someone who died and is haunting or lingering around a place. And so, I see no place in the Bible where there is a, a lost spirit, right? Someone either is with God or without God. Like, they're either his or they're not. And we, the Bible talks about there being a place for one or the other, right? Either heaven or hell. Now, in terms of someone like a place being haunted or occupied by a demon, then I would say yes. And again, another story, Gary Bashir's, there was a, a missionary. So a little side tangent, we'll get back to this. I'll try and make it quick, it's a really long list. But there was a village in a uh, Middle Eastern country. And these people were a tiny village, but the village had actually been like taken over, kind of like there's a, a temple that they had had that had been taken over by a demon in this village. And the demon was actually affecting the town in a way. They were, it wasn't possessing a person, it was just occupying a place. And so the demon was asking for sacrifices, otherwise he would start hurting people. And so the people in the town, literally like, they were getting like sickness or they were like literally being physically harmed. Things were breaking in their house or people would fall and get injured or their animals would die. And so they were trying to like do these things because this demon was like attacking the village in different ways 
and there was a goat farmer in this village, and while he was walking, watching his goats, this little herd, he had saw the baby goat with his mom goat, so his mom and a little baby, and he looked at the goats and he looked at how nice and how loving the mom goat was being to the little baby goat, and he said he recognized that there was goodness in the world because he saw how good the mama goat was being to her baby. He recognized the goodness that there was in the world. All he knew was the evil that they were, that was there. He said, there's, a, there's an evil God that is here. But he saw the goodness in the world through his animals. And he cried out. He had said, I want to know the good God. I want to know the good God. And that night he had had a vision of a man coming on the hill. There was a, a tree that was on the far end of the hill. And there was a man who would come up and met everybody. And he had a book in the vision. So years went by, and then all of a sudden there was a missionary that came to the town. And the man looked, he saw the same man from the vision on the hill, and he ran up to him, he fell at his feet, and he said, I had a vision of you, like, I don't, I don't know what this means. And he handed him a Bible. And not only was that man saved, but his village was also saved, and they all came to faith. And so it was God the Holy Spirit giving that man a vision in that time. Because he knew what to look for, and he cried out to God for that. And God responded by giving him that and giving him hope and cleansed that village of the demon. So, real stories are stuff like that. So, yes, I would say there are, like, places that might be occupied by a spirit, whether that be good or bad. And that, again, goes into spiritual warfare, yes. Um, but to say ghosts are a thing, I would say no. 100%, 100% believe in spiritual warfare and demons occupying space. That's not something we could ever say that never happens. Um, but I would say a, a lost spirit or a haunting ghost, you would say it's not real. Oh. What's up, Anna? Sorry. Um, at camp at Trout Creek, um, mm. my counselor was talking about how this girl, um, she was like, and she was having dreams about like things like you were talking about, mm. and like she was getting scratched or like something like that. Mm. And she was talking about that to us. Yeah. And there's, and you know, I have very personal friends. I'm not going to say their names because we're recording everything, but um, that have had similar experiences of being attacked spiritually and then being harmed in different ways, waking up with bruises, waking up with scratches that they couldn't give themselves, or um, having all kinds of stuff like that happen. Um, so it can't even to believers. As believers, we can be spiritually attacked, but it's important to recognize in all of this that when we put our faith in Jesus. We have the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords on our side. And so yes, while we might be spiritually attacked, we cannot be fully possessed by someone who is not us and not our savior, right? Because he's the one who's living inside of us. And not only that, he's the one who gives us protection from the enemy. Doesn't mean we're never going to be harmed, we're never going to face adversity. But you don't ever have to be fear, you don't ever have to fear being overwhelmed by the devil and his minions. Because you have placed your faith in Jesus. And Jesus is the one who protects us. He cleanses us from our sins and calls us his. And he cleansed this man as well. And it's actually amazing when you think about what God does in this man's life after he purifies him. Check it out in Matthew 5.14. It says, Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell all the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all, and all the people were amazed. So, Jesus ran out of town because while, yes, he did cleanse the man of all his demons, um, the demons killed all the pigs. And guess what? Um, that it was a herd of pigs, and the people that were minding the pigs, I'm sure people were not happy about having all those pigs killed. And guess what? Demons or pigs aren't necessarily supposed to be eaten by Jewish people in this region. So they weren't really necessarily doing what they were supposed to do. But, um, obviously when you lose that much food, it's not going to be really a good thing. So I'm sure the people are um, upset about that. But the amazing thing is, Jesus tells this man, don't follow me. He says, dude, I realize I did this for you, but don't follow me. Go back to your own people and tell them about me. Because apparently the people didn't want to hear it from Jesus himself. They didn't really care who he was or what he did. But when you can hear it from somebody else who Jesus actually had a positive impact on, it makes a big deal. Jesus cleanses this man and tells him to share what Jesus did with others. And Jesus does the same thing and tells us to do the same thing today. Because God purifies us from our sins and he says, Dude, you've received forgiveness from me. I have made you new. I've given you hope, given you joy and love and life. Now go tell others about me. Because, point number three, Jesus wants us to share. We have the privilege of being Jesus' hands and his feet. We get to be the light into the world. Jesus cleans us from all our sins when we ask for forgiveness from him. And it's so amazing because we get to be free of shame. We get to be free of guilt. We get to be free of all the mistakes we've ever made. And not only that, we are called children of God and we're shown mercy and grace. Amazing grace in Christ. And we don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve the mercy that he shows us. But all God asks us to do is to offer what we've been given to other people. He cleanses the man and says, go share with people. And he cleanses us from our sins and says, go share with people. Because God loves us and he wants a relationship with all people and doesn't desire anyone to perish. He wants us to have life in him. But we have to reach out to him. We have to ask for forgiveness from God. Not just spirituality, not just energy to receive us or positivity or vibes. We have to reach out to God. And we should help others to find purpose and life in Him because God is in the business of cleaning up and sending out just like He did for the demon-possessed man. Let's pray. Father God, um, we just thank You. Um, we thank You not only that um, You show us an amazing example of how not only You treat us and our afflictions and our sin, but God, you also promise us your protection and your provision through it all. 
as we go out into the world that doesn't love you and doesn't want you, um, Lord, you promise to be with us every step of the way, leading the way and also watching our backs. You give us the strength to be able to share with others and you give us the words and the wisdom. And Lord, uh, the in-between times we're not able to share and we're just living our lives, God, you also protect us from the attacks of the enemy because the devil doesn't want us reaching out and sharing your love. The devil doesn't want us to have other people come to faith in you. And he does send his minions to attack us in different ways, big and small. But Lord, we know that you are greater than it all. And Lord, I pray in your mighty name, Jesus, that you would protect us. As we learn more about spiritual warfare and what the enemy does and how he works, Lord, that we would have all the confidence, that we would be filled up with just energy and excitement, knowing that you are the one watching over us. You have the authority. You are greater than all. And nothing can overcome us because we have you at our side, Jesus. For those of us that haven't put our faith in you, Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't delay doing that, that we wouldn't hesitate to just lay our lives down and say, Jesus, I need you. I want your forgiveness. I want the life want the grace that you offer so freely and help us to build up others in their faith and help us to offer the faith that we have to others that don't have it we love you lord in your mind we pray jesus amen, amen. all right and there you have it guys that's week seven of our origin series um hope you all glean something from it um and hope this can help you guys uh, grow in your faith, whoever and wherever you're at, uh, whether you're one of the students that attended and heard this months ago, or you're hearing it for the first time because you weren't there, or you just don't go to our church. Um, whoever's listening, uh, whatever you're getting out of it, hope you have a blessed day and hope you can draw closer to the Lord uh, through this and just in your own walk every day.